Can we live without beauty in our lives? Does it matter? Does it matter? Well, given all of the difficulties, the predicaments, even conundrums that we are facing uh, socially and politically and particularly ecologically, I think it's a real question. And the fact that we're asking it here means that you are listening to Poetry, Gossip, and the Pursuit of Pleasure with Dale Byron, your host, That's Me. This is a place where we look at poetry through a very practical lens, and we look at poetry as a way to help us thrive, as a way to help us in our everyday practical lives. So, let's get started today. Um, I wanted to kind of set the table or the context, really, for this conversation we're going to have about beauty. And obviously, there's going to be quotes and poems, and I'll quote some poets, and and uh, as we normally do. But I wanted to uh, to to really set the context, and um, um, I wanted to start with a story, a very brief little story about my own experience. Um, with uh, studying Aikido and those who have listened to this podcast or uh, other uh, participated with events and classes and whatnot with me over the years know that uh, I was a pretty serious Aikido student for many, many years. Still believe it amazingly. However, my body is uh, less able to, uh, to, to do that kind of practice on the mat. But my point is this, George Leonard, who I had the great pleasure to study with, one of the two amazing teachers I had, Wendy Palmer and, uh, and, and George Leonard, were um, both amazing. But George Leonard was fond of saying and describing the techniques of Aikido, which is, you know, a, a no-nonsense martial art in some ways, harder than other martial arts because the idea is that nobody gets hurt uh, with aikido which makes i think it which makes it i think even more difficult than some of the other martial arts but at any rate um it's a very hard-headed martial art and uh leonard used to say george leonard used to say if it is beautiful if the technique is beautiful it will also be incredibly effective if it's beautiful, the technique will also be effective. And that always impressed me because it's the idea of beauty. You know, we think about beauty as being, um, you know, beauty and truth are always kind of uh, uh, brought together. But beauty and effectiveness, I think, is uh, is also a very, very powerful concept. The poet, speaking of poets, the poet John Keats once said about beauty, says, beauty is truth, and truth beauty. That is all ye know on earth, and all you need to know. <laughs> uh, there's another great uh, uh, quote that I wanted to bring by way of setting this table. It's by Amit Ray, who said, beauty is the moment. Beauty is the moment when time vanishes. Beauty is the moment when time vanishes, and eternity and eternity arises. And I think that is so uh, very true. Um, I know personally, I've just begun 
in uh, this new year. It's still fairly new, February. Um, I have decided to take on a meditation practice. I've tried this many times in my life, and uh, I'm going to give it another shot. But it made me think about what arises when the mind gets still. And uh, Amit Ray was talking about that. Beauty is the moment when time vanishes and eternity rises. arises. Also, the great poet, I have two more uh, quotes by poets about beauty. This one is Robert Bly, who said, who said, beauty is a way of expressing the deepest truths of our being. It's a way of connecting with the world in a way that's both intimate and expansive. Now, this struck me uh, as being very important because, as I've said here on this podcast before, poetry is often the art, or it is the art, I think, of going so deep into our private life, you know, so uh, going so deep into the particulars, the intimacies of our of our lives, of or of a life, when it comes to the protagonist of a poem, that you come out in the eternal. So paradoxically, you move so deep into the personal that you come out into the universal. That's that business about being able to walk inside a poem, as we've said also many times here, and have your own full and complete emotional and intellectual experience. Okay, before I get to the poem we're going to cover today, I want to um, do a, a quote, bring a quote by the great German poet Rilke, who said, let everything happen to you. Let everything, let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, beauty and terror. Just keep going. No feeling is final. Okay, so um, let's get to the poem. The poem that I want to bring today is called Can We Survive Without Beauty? And just a little bit of the backstory, because this is actually a poem that I wrote some time ago. And it really is. I start with a quote that really describes the context with which um, had me write this poem later, of course, uh, fr from the question that I got from a friend. But um, uh, anyway, let's dig right in. Can We Survive Without Beauty is the title of the poem. And the quote at the top is, after reflecting on a friend's question, can we survive without beauty? Poem goes like this. Well, yes. Well, yes, I suppose so. But wait. But wait. Actually, on second thought, not really, not really. You see, I don't understand much, only a few things, but they are pretty clear. I know, for example, that a green-skirted, weather-making, dreaming redwood tree may be my nirvana while a deliciously yellow-flamed, sunflower-edged oil painting may be yours, that a flickering told story in a dark room of strangers may enchant your soul, while a poet's 
transforming of pain into some beautific magic is mine. Still, the longest quest remains. Still, still, the longest quest remains. And even the very first person, and even the very first person who sighed out loud, ah, giving their precious gut-gifted art made from the deepest joy or pain or no doubt both telling, telling the whole world of it, witnessing in their own not quite everyday way. Oh, yes, yes, here and now, here and now, that deep longing for beauty in us all. And so, please, don't take on this life, your precious time here, your sentience, your sentience, not without at least some small measure of it. Still, the longest quest remains, and even the very first person who sighed out loud, ah, giving their precious gut-gifted art made from the deepest joy or pain, or no doubt both, or no doubt both, telling the whole world of it, witnessing in their own not-quite-everyday way, oh, yes, yes, here and now, that deep longing for beauty in us all. And so, please, please, don't take on this life. Don't take on this life, your precious time here, your sentience, your sentience, not without at least some small measure of it. Can we survive without beauty? Now, I often would tell the story in um, work in the work that I do with poetry that I imagined, I used to say the first poetic statement was that that showed up in this poem. Ah. And I imagined that it was the kind of thing where perhaps someone, you know, tens and tens and tens of thousands of years ago, some of our way back ancestors, maybe living in a in in a in a, in a structure or a cave, um, and they and they turned over one morning and realized that their mate had died, and that the sound of that experience, the sound of that reckoning, the sound of that sudden knowing was simply to say, ah, and that that was the first poem and the first poem perhaps on grief. I'm just remembering now that the great uh, German poet Rilke that we quoted a little earlier once said, 
you know, that maybe sometimes all we have to give in the world, all we have to give is our great grief cry, our great grief cry, ah, and that that is enough, that that is enough. I said, as I was thinking about this episode, um, I said that perhaps the absence of beauty in our lives shows up in small and subtle signs of impoverishment alongside deeper and more overt instances of such. Perhaps when we are engaged in some, to us, very important cause. So when we're engaged in some very important cause, we feel that's worth our time and effort and become so focused on that cause that we forget to take notice and to appreciate beauty that we can get lost sometimes because um the other note that i made is after all after all what uh what cause could we have what cause might we uh have any of us to be deeply invested in that does not have as its vision some restoration of beauty so there was the the kind of um, insight uh, that I had, um, the kind of revelation that I had, um, where it's occurred to me that anything that we were going to be that invested in, no matter how uh, intimate and personal or or how universal the cause, that it had to do with, or that it very likely has to do with restoring some kind of beauty. I don't know what else would have us be that invested if that were not true. Um, I said, whether we're helping to midwife a forest or an entire ecosystem back to its state of natural magnificence, or we are playing the role of midwife to restoring the ocean's health and magnificence. I said, or even helping to bring a small patch of soil back to its fertile existence. All these are instances of beauty, perhaps lost. And we are seeking, as we're saying, to restore and midwife that beauty back into existence. And of course, this can have to do with relationships. This can have to do with art and creating art. All of it, all of it a kind of uh, um, search, a kind of longing to bring back or to find or to create moments that are beautiful and items and things that are beautiful. I went on to, as I was musing about this, I said, of course, I think beauty can take so many forms. And I do believe that it could be the gesture of a friend to let us know that they understand something that we're going through. Uh, it could be the sound that an unfamiliar bird makes while we're walking through the woods, through the forest. That's just that little, ah, that sound. Where? What is it? Where's that bird? Or, or it could, of course, be the first daffodil that we see and spot as we walk in spring. Now, speaking of beauty, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking of beauty taking many forms, 
Um, just the other day, I happened to be looking out um, our bedroom window. And, you know, it's a scene that I've seen over and over again. I can't tell you. I mean, we've lived here for so many years. And yet, on that particular day, on that particular day, I happened to notice the the specifics of how this window in our living room, you can see from the bedroom, how it was designed in an amazing way to allow more light into a particular corner of the room. Now, if that doesn't sound amazing to you, I totally get it. And mostly I just pass right past it. You know, I just go right past it. But for some reason on that day, I don't know, just in the last week or so, I saw that, and I just had this kind of deep welling of gratitude for somebody that thought to create a design which did that with light. And I thought to myself, how wonderful. And I wasn't congratulating myself. I was just reveling in the fact that I felt such gratitude for something that I normally just pass right by and have passed by literally thousands of times before. The recognition of beauty, even in the smallest ways, can be quite uh, stunning, can be quite stunning. Now, we're heading for the barn. We're almost there. But on this subject of beauty, um, I'm going to push the edges of this a little bit and uh, see if this uh, resonates with you again as we're almost ready to close today. Um, this is a William Stafford quote, and he said it, the poet, the great, wonderful, amazing poet, William Stafford. He said, the more you let yourself be distracted from where you are going, the more you let yourself be distracted from where you are going, the more you are the person that you are, the more that you are the person that you are. It's not so much like getting lost as it is like getting found. Let me do that one more time. The more you let yourself be distracted from where you are going, the more you are the person that you are. So in other words, the more you allow yourself to be distracted, you become more of who you actually really are. The more you are the person that you are, it's not so much like getting lost as it is like getting found. Now, I've studied William Stafford's life quite a bit, and that is so true to his way of, you know, allowing ourselves to be lost in language, allowing the words to tell us how they decide that they want to be grouped together. And at my best, when I'm writing poetry, at my best, I am trying to allow the universe. I'm trying to, to kind of get lost in language so that I can discover myself and discover some new words that might be surprising to myself and then hopefully surprising and pleasing to others as well. So the note that I made about that quote, may we let ourselves be distracted by the beauty and magnificence of nature. Now here I want to talk about some of the incredible 
predicaments that we are facing in the natural world. And the reason I say this, and the, my whole point at at um, at talking about beauty today, is because I think that those who care about the natural world, those who care about the predicaments we are in, particularly in that area, there are political ones and social ones that that are all connected, obviously. But the people who are really concerned about the challenges and conundrums and predicaments we face in the natural world, I think sometimes can be very, um, uh, what's the word I want to use? They can be very, um, uh, mm, susceptible. That's the word susceptible to, um, burnout. Yeah. To burnout. And the, and I think that beauty and seeing beauty and stopping sometimes when we get so engrossed in something, we get so fixed on something that we forget to look, that we forget that if we bring the beauty, if we notice the beauty, that it will give us the strength we need to really do the work that is most important to us. So I said to myself, particularly thinking about my friend's who are doing uh, great work in the uh, ecological domain, let me put it that way. Um, I said, may we let ourselves be distracted by the beauty and magnificence of nature. Then maybe we will gain the humility we need to become a true, to become a true midwife of natural world thriving, as opposed to simply creating yet one more unintended consequence born from our belief in control and dominance and our arrogance and our arrogance to believe we can pull it off with yet a little more technology now look i'm not against technology i have benefited from so much technology in my life as we all have However, however, to be able to really midwife the beauty that is in the world, the beauty in ourselves, the beauty in particular that is in the natural world, I think we need to become more humble in the face of that beauty and work to be a midwife as opposed to trying to control and decide what needs to happen, that we create technology that has created problems, and so we're going to create more technology to fix those problems, and so on and so forth, and we all know how we have been chasing our tail in that way. And I think for us to just step back vis-a-vis -vis our subject today and appreciate and cultivate and be a midwife for and be just awed by beauty, the beauty in our world in all its many facets. That, I believe, is something which is going to become and is becoming and is very critical in our world. I want to end with a quote by the poet Robert Bly. He said, the beauty that we see in the world is a reflection of the beauty that lies within us. When we cultivate an inner beauty, we become more attuned to the beauty 
around us. Okay, that is a wrap on our discussion of beauty and poetry and all such things. As I always say, I so appreciate your listening here. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Um, I always invite people, if you have ideas or suggestions that you would like to see covered around poetry, I'm always open to that. Of course, you know, if you want to make a comment, wherever you listen to this podcast or if you see it on YouTube, uh, that would be um, that'd be great as well. Refer it to others that you think might appreciate it. And in the meantime, as I always say, in the meantime, until next time and next points, take good care of yourself.